Welcome in, listeners, to another episode of the Busby Babe podcast. I'm your host, Colin Dams. After a week off, we are back with a full crew. Uh, we've got Matt Barnes, Nathan Heinchel, and Polly Questel. How's it going, boys? It's, uh, bored. <laughs> I'm bored. <laughs> and frustrated, but that's, that's, uh, we're not going to talk about that. That's fine. Yeah, we don't, well, we don't need to bring up your dating problems. <laughs> uh, I'm married, my guy. I don't have dating problems. <laughs> oh, he, he's been done with dating problems for a while now. Yeah, can't, can't relate. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I announced in the group chat that uh, we would not really be talking about transfers because I don't have a whole lot to say, and it's not Wait, really a said, topic. You said the T word. I didn't say it. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Well, I posted a question because uh, today is our 2020-21 uh, season preview podcast, and I asked the Busby Babe faithful um, what they wanted to hear about, and it seems like everyone just wants to hear about transfers. So uh, I guess we are going to talk about it at some point, but we will save that for part two. Uh, for right now, though, uh, the 2020-2021 uh, season is upon us. Uh, Manchester United open at Old Trafford playing against Crystal Palace this Saturday. And uh, it's an interesting one. And we're in a situation now where the squad building process is definitely at the forefront so a victory on Saturday would probably go a long way in kind of easing some of the tensions right now, especially on social media. If there is a way to possibly ease any tension on social media. Yeah, I don't think it's really going to like... It, it'll be cool. Everybody's going to be excited that we're back and, you know, if we do win, we win. And then it's just going to go back to, all right, what next? What next? You know, like people will not be happy... And I'm not gonna talk. I'm not gonna go off on a tangent, but I mean, the the vibe's gonna be weird until we get Sancho or something, you know. Like I I think at this point, since United put it out, like everybody's just expecting it. So I mean, they will. I mean, it's really just depends on if that transfer happens, the demeanor. I mean, if not, then I mean, I guess you know we gotta carry on. You know, it sucks, but yeah. And uh, Nathan. We finished third last season, and the ex expectation going forward is normally to improve, but we're still in a league that's dominated by, you know, two clubs that shall not be named, uh, one of which has gotten a little bit more transfer business done this weekend. What do you see, or what do you want to see from Manchester United without Jaden Sancho? Um, I want to see this team improve upon its league position, uh, just like it did last year. Uh, right now, I have no reason to believe that that will be the case. I think... Well, what does improving upon its league position mean? Because it's literally exactly what, what yeah. Colin just said. Like, I mean, if you want to look a, at it... like You're in a league where there's two teams that are head above the rest, so... I think he means it, in points. How do, you, how, do you, how do you improve upon being the best of the rest? I, I, I think right Get now... points. The, yeah, the most realistic way... I mean, if you were to unseat whoever is destined to finish second this year, whether it be Liverpool or City, um, I mean, I think that would be an incredible victory. I don't think that's necessarily realistic, but I do think... Fantastic. Yeah, like you said, not realistic. Yeah, improving upon points would be good. Um, winning some of those games that we drew last year, getting draws in some of those games that we shouldn't have lost last year, or, God forbid, getting some wins in some of those losses that we had last year, 
um, I, I think would go a long way um, because I think it like it was at the end of this year. I think it's going to be incredibly heated going down the stretch because it, despite the fact that Chelsea really hasn't done much to address their defense. I mean, they have what appears to be a pretty high powered offense. Uh, I don't see why they shouldn't be in the mix at the end, especially just with because depth. Um, and I don't know if Arsenal manages to kind of have that, you know, Ollie effect or Arteta where it's a, you know, era of good feelings. I mean, they could kind of ride a wave as well. I don't think that Tottenham's going to be much of a problem as evidenced by the fact that they were down to a Bulgarian <laughs> mid table team this afternoon before we recorded. Um, but I, it would not shock me if Everton is challenging for fifth, if not better this year. What makes you think that Arsenal will get that Ollie effect considering that the Ollie effect was when Ollie took over and Mikel Arteta took over at the literally the same time as Ollie did last year. Um, so, you know, why would the Ollie effect come now? I think, I, it, I think it's just a vibes thing right now. I mean, they, they re-signed Obama Yang. They brought in a couple guys. They're still hopeful that they'll bring in a couple more. I don't know. There's, they got vibes right now. Yeah, it kind of, yeah, they, I guess it depends you on your interpretation of what the Ollie effect is, because the way yeah, that they're playing football right true. now is, is really attractive. And that was one of the major changes that, you know, Ollie made at Manchester United that brought those good vibes was even there though. There was a noticeable, uh, not just, all right, so noticeable like with the eyes, yes. But the underlying numbers around United improved drastically when Ollie came in. So they had a run of really hot finishing and other teams not finishing. But on, on top of it, it was like, well, they so like everybody said this is unsustainable. But on top of it, there was like they actually are playing better. But eventually, yeah, the hot finishing is going to stop. And it did. Arsenal, their numbers didn't improve at all. They just got a run of really hot finishing and very good goalkeeping and very bad finishing in front of them. And I think the Gabrielle signing is very good, but you're relying on Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who is 31, to carry you again. And this is a 10-month season condensed into nine months. Uh, 31-year-olds don't tend to hold up that well over, you know, when it comes to they break down easier. And you're cramming a lot more games into a smaller amount of time. And to help him out, they've signed the 32-year-old William. And I get, I get that they're off to a great start. William had three assists. Um, well, they played against Fulham. But they exactly <laughs> they played against Fulham. I mean, in year two under Mourinho, Henrik Mkhitaryan had five assists in like the team's first six games, and everybody was bragging about it because like Coutinho had like six assists in his entire Liverpool career and hmm. Mkhitaryan finished his United career with like five assists. So yeah. don't, there will be no Mkhitaryan slander. <laughs> I, I want to put this up to you, Polly, because I know that we've talked about this before with the kind of hype around Chelsea and the, I guess just sort of assumption that they're going to be back into the top three and be the ones challenging uh, Liverpool and City, but also put this to the rest of the group. Do you think that maybe it's being overlooked that Manchester United's kind of you know lackluster point tally at the end of the season was largely down to a period in the first half of the season where yes. everyone was in hurt? You know, I mean, percent. we came out firing on all cylinders in the second half of the season. Do you think people are kind of look, overlooking the fact that that team is going into this season fully healthy? 
hundred percent. And people, look, people overlooked everything. You know, we saw, we just talked about the Ollie effect and people at the end of the year or going into last season, every, all they talked about was two wins in their last eight. And, oh, Solskjaer's definitely not cut out to be a manager because two wins in their last eight. Okay, but what about everything that came before that? You know, he was still the manager of the club at that at that time. And, yeah, now people are – everybody's making a big deal about, oh, we saw how bad this – or how much this team struggled when Luke Shaw went out. We saw how much the attack struggled. Okay, but what happened? Uh, we We – Considered a last-minute equalizer to Southampton, and that was solely because Brandon Williams got knocked out of the game. If if he's in the game, he's probably on that back post, and we probably win the game. We got a draw against West Ham. We won the other games. Like, yeah, it wasn't pretty. We weren't as dominant. But did we get the job done? Yeah. So, like, when we're at our best, like, people forget how freaking good this squad is. Like, not, not the squad, how good the team is. When we have our first 11 out there, when you put Fred, you could you could put Fred in there for Matic. You can now put Van de Beek in there um, mm-hmm. to keep Pogba and Bruno fresh. But just that first 11 is so damn good. And and it's all just about keeping them fresh, which doesn't mean you have to um, – Rot- you, it doesn't mean you have to say, oh, this is a game to rotate the squad, so we're going to make 10 changes. It means you, pl- you you pick and choose your spots. Like, you play Lingard instead of Greenwood today, and, and, you, re- and you, know, you rest Pogba on the same day, and you bring in Van de Beek. And then the next day, you bring Pogba back in, and you rest Fernandez, and Van de Beek stays, and Greenwood comes back into the team, but so does Dan James, and Rashford gets a break. And it's... It, you you keep if you have three or four of your top players in the game, you're going to be fine. Like don't forget, like like you just said, don't forget. Like first half of the season, we got by playing with Andreas Pereira and Jesse Lingard, and everybody hates Dan James now. I'm not saying I do, Nathan. Calm down. Uh, <laughs> but everybody everybody on the internet hates Dan James now. We yeah, we it's stupid. In the first half of the season with those players, like we beat Chelsea three times. Uh, Dan James was a starter in two of them. We beat Manchester City three times. Dan James was a starter all three times. Like, uh, it, like what, playing one of those guys along with the rest of your players is fine. It's when you make wholesale changes that we have problems. So I hope that go uh, that when we play this season, it's going to be a lot like um, when it comes to squad selection. It's going to be a lot like 2008. If you remember 2008. When we oh, I remember 2008. You never knew who was going to be in that 11. You knew Rooney was going to play, Ronaldo was going to play, Tevez was going to play. But then you were like, on the wings, it could be Nani, it could be Park, it could be Giggs. So one of those three will get the other wing spot. In midfield, it could be Carrick, it could be Scholes, it could be Hargreaves, it could be Anderson, sometimes Fletcher. But you also knew... Oh, we, we're playing Liverpool this weekend. It's going to be Rooney, Tevez, Carrick, Skulls, Giggs, Ronaldo. So, like, when there was a big game, you knew what the first choice 11 was, but any given week, you didn't know what it was going to be, and that's hopefully what it is this this but year. Another thing, though, Polly, about, you know, that season and, you know, all of Manchester United's best seasons. They had world-class it, players. I get it. Oh, no, I wasn't going to say that. But, yeah, you know, if we got a world-class, you know, Ronaldo and Rooney-esque partnership, that would be nice. Um but mm. another thing about that was the tactical adjustment, <laughs> between, you know, between games from Sir Alex Ferguson. 
and this is something that Ollie's been kind of growing into at a higher level. You know, it's it's not something that has necessarily been praised about the way that Ollie has managed the squad. And I wanted to put it to you guys. What do you think Ollie's performance requirements need to be this season? And what do you need to see from him improving as a manager uh, to be convinced that he's the to right be, the job to, still? To be honest, I think this is going to kind of come back a little bit on transfers because like Ollie like did the like he got to his job like he 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 got third right like we got Bruno which I think that with Bruno also like if we just get like could shoot for a goal of points like instead of like 60 like like let's get 80 points and like however we get 80 points is what we need to do now granted like we will win the league off that. I don't know. Like, I'm not saying we will. All I'm saying is I, I think it's going to be unfortunate for Ole because, I mean, our midfield will be have a little bit of more like rotation. I'm worried about our defensive rotations. I'm just worried about like Luke Shaw getting a knock. You know, one of our center backs getting a knock. We're one like injury away in our defense from being in trouble. Because I think we all know, like, I like Brandon Williams, but I don't want him at left back. Like, we're we're in trouble there. So I feel like depth is what's going to hurt Ole most over the course of the season. Because I think that, like, we've got enough confidence, like, behind our guys. Like, our guys are feeling good. Our midfield's going to be freaking awesome. So, I mean, like, I think that we've got like a good shell of players. It's just like when Pogba gets hurt or, I mean, and don't forget, like some of these guys could still get coronavirus, you know, like easily, like, you know, like, I mean, they're encountering so many people, like they could just not even get injured. Like coronavirus is a thing. They could have to go out for, I don't even know how many weeks. I don't know if the Premier League has a a thing on that yet. If it's like a, a couple weeks or one week or a month or whatever, you know, like it's, it's 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 really crazy. Like I'm really so, scared about our depth. Like I I just think that that's what's gonna hinder Ale the most. So what would be the most leeway you give Ale in terms of results this season? You know, with or without transfers. I mean, it's weird to say because we used to beat the top top six pretty handily like like Polly was saying like we yeah, beat we a do. lot of the top six sides yeah we have for the last couple of years doesn't really make sense it's it's all of the the brightons and the burnleys and all the and the west hams and all of those teams that we've like dropped points to and lost to over the year the bournemouths you know like i still remember losing to bournemouth like it's it's those games that we gotta nail like crystal down palace. We, in crystal palace yeah exactly it's, it's those games that are important because I mean, it it just it brings us up another level. Like we actually will have conviction. That's what we need is just some conviction and to be and to just finish games off. Yeah. Ollie has to beat Liverpool this year. <laughs> Game close last year. It, yeah. It yeah. Comes, I, I, it, closer it, than most. I, people. I, yeah. yeah. Based sure. on last season, I I think he's got to get at least one. He's got to get three points off a of clop in one game. And I, I think that would, if there is a dip depth related, I think that gives, you know, 
that that would give Ollie some additional leeway with any of the more wayward fans because the important thing is we beat Liverpool, you know, in November or something. Yeah. So that would be helpful. It comes down to two things. It comes down to two things. One is he's gotta he's gotta fix his rotations. Uh, you know, yeah. last year the entire season he basically the eleven was picking itself because we only had eleven guys available. And once mm-hmm. we had the full squad available, it was he put out the first choice eleven and you know, against Norwich and against Lask, it was my second eleven, and that second eleven was horrific. He's gotta be able to rotate players in and out so that you maintain you know, if we're never if we're not firing at a hundred percent every game, but we're firing it at 85, 88, 90 percent, that's good enough to beat most of the teams in this league. And that's fine. And and then guess what? You have game changers on the bench. If if you have if you're starting Van de Beek and Bruno Fernandez, um, you have Paul Pogba on the bench. If if you if you're putting Lingard out there instead of Rashford one day, you have Marcus Rashford on the bench. So he's got to be able to just mix and match his rotations mm-hmm. um, to to extend the depth of this squad. Uh, and you know, Jaden Sancho helps with that, but it does. You know, we need more than just one player. Um, so even if and when Jaden Sancho arrives, he, he still needs to work on that. The other thing, and this is something that Jaden Sancho won't help with because he's only 20 and he's young. The mentality of this team yeah. has got to fit, has got to be fixed. The, the fact of the mm-hmm. matter is we only won two games last year when we went a goal down twice. That's it. Uh, against Bournemouth and against, uh, Newcastle. That is terrible, especially because like some, you know, against Everton, we went one nil down a minute into the game. And mm-hmm. it's just like, as soon as we go one nil down now, it's, it's like, I feel like we're just like, we're playing for a draw against West Ham. Yeah. We give up a goal right before halftime. And then in the second half, we come out dominant. We only scored one and it just never comes back. You know, Everton, same thing. We, we had 89 minutes to score two goals, which was something that we had been doing with ease the last few weeks. We could only score one. And in all the games where we do manage to come back and score more than one, we can see the late one. Southampton, we go one nil down. We come back and score two. We, we give one up in injury time. Sheffield, uh, we go three nil down. We come back or we go two nil down. We come back and we score three. We can see the late one. Every, so when we did come back, the mentality of this team just has to be don't drop your heads. All right, we went one nil down. Continue to play our game because when you're scoring three goals every week and you're running teams off the pitch and then a team gets a lucky goal and suddenly the best you can muster is a 1-1 draw, that's not good enough. Like, just go be- – have the confidence in your team, which and this is expected of a team that was very young last year, but have the confidence uh, that you will still get your chances and that we should just play our game and we'll win three one instead of winning instead of three nil we'll win three one. And I, that was part of why last season felt more positive than maybe a trophyless third place season might feel is because you know there wasn't any you know backroom issues. Everyone in the dressing room you know, feels a sense of positivity with the direction that everything is going under Ole. But the next step in that, I think, and I think this is one of my expectations for this season is winning a trophy because we've seen that not only are we good enough Mm -hmm. to beat the best teams and to get far in a competition while still performing well in the league, but at each of those stages in the semifinal is where we dropped off. And, 
you know, it wasn't necessarily that the occasion seemed too much, but, you know, tiny little things in each of those games didn't go our way. And that's going to happen at that level of football. And you still have to find a way to win. That's exactly why I can't say like not winning a trophy. I, I agree. Winning a trophy should be a, like it has to happen this year, but not winning a trophy um, is not the end of the world. Unless like you cannot punt a competition. You cannot go out right. there and just say, we, we don't care about the league cup. I, you know, which is, we were discussing this in Slack just before we started recording when you said play uh, Sancho and the kids uh, against Luton town. And I was like, I would, you know, mix and match. Don't punt the competition, but yeah, things happen. Weird things happen in football games. Like, uh, you know, like we, we played Sevilla. We had the better of Sevilla. We pummeled their goal and it just, we just didn't get the ball in and two mistakes were made on our end. And it ended up in the back of our net twice. That happens in, in, in one game. That's why knockout football is exciting. And that's why cup produce, you know, different, you know, that's why Arsenal won the FA cup because Cubs produce shocking results. So I don't hold it against them for not winning a trophy, but they, as long as you're going all out to win them all. Yeah, so I, agree. I, think, I think we're, we have a consensus beat Liverpool and get a trophy and uh, <laughs> just look like we're playing well. Yeah. It's not too much to ask. Be able to come from behind and win. Yeah. Yeah. And just make sure the vibes are good. Just vibes, man. <laughs> <laughs> we don't vibe check at Old Trafford. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, Matt, I mean, there's nobody, nobody there to vibe check. So. Tottenham's going to be wishing they had vibes <laughs> in about another month. So, but that's none of my business. That's not my problem anymore. Mm-hmm, yeah. Tottenham's right. going to have huge vibe problems. <laughs> God, uh, I, I looked I, at their their score today. Uh, with, there were two red cards. You know, on before. the same play, and then there was a third red card. Like, I I was just like, at this point, you could play your reserve, you could play your U23s, your U8, you could you could play your U18s, um, in the next qualifying game because at this point, it's clear UEFA wants the English team to get through in the Europa League. You mean yeah. a mid-table Bulgarian team is not moving the needle for uh, UEFA? It just. Oh, I thought it was 5.30. <laughs> I had to look at the time. It was 5.05. I was like, whoa. I was like, Polly, it's a little early. That, um, seeing that game gave me like flashbacks to the 2016-17 season of playing on some cow patch in Rostov. And <laughs> you know, my heart goes out to Tottenham fans uh, for what they're about to experience this season. But, Can't you know, relate. But Gareth Bale's coming. Gareth, 30-year-old Gareth Bale, who hasn't been good in two years, 31. is coming home. 31. 31-year-old 31 Gareth Bale. 31. Who hasn't but, been but Gareth Bale returning <laughs> with vibes. When Manchester United uh, were linked with a yeah, for them. Band, I was thinking, this checks all of like Polly's hate checklist. Like... <laughs> He's over 31, he's super expensive, his wages would be enormous, and he likes to take long shots from outside the box. Yeah, he gets injured all the time. He'll talk to me back if he can't get the ball in the box under Mourinho. That's very true. Well, I just don't think Gareth Bale's ever coming north, because I can't imagine the golf courses are as good as they are down south and uh, near London. (laughs) Have you ever been to Scotland? I was about to say, just keep going, dude. Yeah. Um... Well, speaking of impact players, uh, let's go around the horn and see what everyone (laughs) thinks uh, the 2020-2021 MVP will be uh, for Manchester United. Uh, Matt, you want to go first? Not really. 
Um. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Um. Besides Josh King. I don't know, dude. I think I'll go with some. I I, I gotta go with Bruno because I mean we couldn't really give him the player of the year this year because he didn't play the whole year, but he's really great. He's passionate. He lo- he loves playing for United. He knows what the badge means. You know, like yeah. I just uh, I think a full seat full season for him. I think it's gonna be pretty big. And I mean you could you could put Pogba in the same scenario about everything I just said. You know, just about. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, either one because I expect I expect Tony to like Martial to do what he's doing. I expect Rash to, you know. Hopefully stay healthy. I really just hope Rash doesn't hurt his back again. But anyways, um, but those guys are, you know, I just think that Bruno's like that, like next step in class. Like you know, he 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 rarely goes missing in a game. I mean, he, he makes mistakes obviously, but, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Bruno, I guess. Yeah, Nathan. Um, I'm gonna put one caveat on it, but I if he stays healthy, I think it's Pogba. Um, especially if this team is as successful as last season or God forbid is better than last season, I think Paul Pogba has a huge part to play in that. Uh, there's all these rumors right now that he is in, uh, preparing to sign a new contract. Um, if that happens too, I mean, at that point you're looking at this, this is his last major deal that he's signing. So at this point, you know, you'd like to, he's tying the rest of his prime to Manchester United. So it's time for him to go, you know, really win some shit for this team. Um, as great as that Europa League final win was, uh, you know, it doesn't really cut the mustard um, when they go <laughs> to look at Paul Pogba's career in 10 years. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that's won a World Cup. You know, he wants yeah. he wants more. <laughs> yeah, the last thing he wants is when he's finally signing for Inter-Miami in like eight years for them to be like World Cup winner and your 2017 Europa League winner. <laughs> Uh, Paul Pogba, like he doesn't want that. that that's a yeah. And then twenty thirty like, MLS champion. Also, like four times Canada <laughs> winner, but you know yeah. that doesn't matter. It's, Who cares? it's like Farmers the League. the Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher scroll. It's like you want it to say ten time Premier League winner. You don't want it to say eight hundred appearances for Liverpool. <laughs> Dude, I saw the clip of them running in the interview, and they're like, which one's faster? And they're like, I don't know. And they ran across the pits, and they had, like, their microphones in their hands, dude. Oh, man. Just heavy breathing. Yeah, yeah, I think think it's going to be Pogba. Um, Just the way the team looked coming out of the gate, when we we sat there and we wondered, what's the Pogba-Bruno midfield going to look like? Turns out it's pretty good. Uh, Turns out when you have two really good midfielders in a midfield, it, you know, usually spells positive things for you. Um, Crazy, dude. Crazy. It's rocket science. The way Pogba fits into the system, too, because we've talked about it, like, when Ollie first came in and Pogba played at the 10, pretty good. When he sits there and plays in the pivot of the 4-2-3-1 and he can sit there and just, you know, lace balls down the wings to super fast wingers, uh, usually works out pretty well uh, as well. So You know who said that he has the vision to pick out a pass from on the other side of the field? Jose. <laughs> knowledge that he's really good and he's just an idiot for not playing him. Yeah. Jose. So, so, Dude, so, I saw so that least. clip. It, if this team, if this team is successful this year, I, I, I really do think it's going to be Pogba driven. I, I, I think now if, if the allure of Real Madrid is finally gone and he is signing himself to, to Manchester United, I think he's getting to that point where it's like, all right, let me take this thing by the reins. Like this, th- this will be now my team. 
I mean, uh, Ollie yeah. said that he would, like, they asked him, what would you do with Manchester United? He said, I'd build a team around Pogba. I mean. Yeah. So I, I, if he's doing that, check out he's, my article for the Busby Babe. And if the team is shit this year, then it'll be probably Luke Shaw. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I, you know what? That would be awesome. If that if that became a thing, I'd love it. What if, if we were shit and Luke Shaw was our player of the year again? <laughs> Give it no, to Nick Sauce. Like if, no, not the shit part, but if Luke Shaw was player of the year. That'd be, I mean, that'd be crazy if Luke Shaw got player of the year. Sickness. It'd be crazy. I I I think uh, I I really think Pogba is gonna have a massive year. He's gonna come roaring back, and it could be Pogba, it could be Martial, but and I think they they I think one of those two will be the most deserving of if we were gonna give out uh, an MVP award at the end of the year. But like they'll be the most deserving. But the MVP award will go to Bruno Fernandez because this fan base. Is a term that I will not say on this podcast, so I will just say with an R? Worships, worships the ground he walks on and will kiss the ground that he steps on. A thousand percent. Yes, I will. Does and yes. and he just they'd be oh Bruno was the and like, I, will, I will do all of those way. things. Um, so no matter what, you know, if Pablo goes out there and scores seven goals, that'd be fantastic. Uh, Bruno might score five, but at the end of the year, he's gonna have 13 because. We we took 14 penalties last year, so even if that number comes down, let's say that number comes down to 10, Bruno's it's, not, it's going up. <laughs> Bruno's gonna have balls there, like so. so like, damn right. Going to inflate his total there, um, it, and it, it's no matter what Pogba or Martial do, like it'll just be like. Oh, this was all Bruno Fernandez. I mean, like, yeah, like Bruno Fernandez takes a corner kick to the outside of the box. Pogba takes a touch and then curls around a beautiful goal against Aston Villa. And it's still, wow, look at that corner by Bruno Fernandez. Like this, this fan base just worships the ground. He walks on that as long as he walks out of that tunnel 35 times this year in the Premier, like 35 times this year in the league, he will be the MVP. Yeah, but I mean, that is a narrative that United fans have been, you know, yearning for that sort of savior player to walk in and just immediately change everything. And it, the pieces kind of fell our way to make that a narrative that still survives here in what September, 2020. So yeah, yeah, I get that side of it, but um, I think I'm going to have to go with Nathan. I do think that this is going to be a bounce back year for Pogba. And I think especially if Rashford and Martial continue on the trajectory that they've been on, um, you know, since Jose Mourinho was sacked. This is going to be a year where he's got two, potentially 30 goal scorers in front of him. Pogba just needs to stay healthy, which there's, there's not, I mean, there's no, there's not no reason to say he won't, but it's not like, oh, he's an injury threat. Like he stayed healthy his first year here. He had one injury at the beginning of the season, his second year, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then his third, you know, last year, two years ago at this point, he played like in every game. The only time he was dropped was the only time he didn't play was when Mourinho wanted to drop him. He, he basically played, I think, every single uh, every game that Ollie was in charge for, except for Reading in the FA Cup. Um, yeah. So just need him to stay healthy because last year, like 50 something percent of more. I think it was like 50 percent of Martial's goals came with Pogba on the pitch. Uh, and they were only together. I've only played a third of the season. They were only together for so for so long. 
it's not that Pogba was directly involved, but like it's weird that Martial plays yeah. that much better when he's on the but, field. Yeah. If there is something there, then let's just have Pogba be on the field uh, because then Martial will be scoring. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing that's there is that Manchester United as a whole are just better when Pogba's yes. on the pitch. You know, they're going to go forward. <laughs> yeah. They're going to play more forward passes. They're going to have better delivery. This is rocket science, dude. I'm telling he's you. He's just such cool. a well-rounded player. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, this past year, Fred really kind of broke onto the scene as Manchester United's most improved player. And I was wondering if any of you guys had a take for who that could be this season, the sort of unexpected uh, rising star of Manchester United. Maybe Mengi? Like they're talking about, that's like, that's like a really prospective thing to say, but um, they talked about him getting some playing time. Um, so if we could maybe see him, that could maybe be a thing. But I'd like to see like, but that's like McTominay that's like, or what? Well, Brandon Williams a star. Like, okay, like yeah, Brandon Williams got got like playing time. I mean, if he had kept playing the way that he was playing earlier in the season, he might have been the <laughs> most improved player over. Well, like you don't really have a comparison for him at that point, yeah, I guess. He's not even improved. It's like. Yeah. Like I wouldn't call even if if Mengi gets playing time this year, I would love to see that. I wouldn't call it a breakout star until he's like nailed down first teamer. Can I be overly bullish with my prediction? I don't know. Can you? I think it's Martial because I think he gets the golden boot this year. Ooh. Mm. I think I think he bags at least twenty five goals at least. Um, most improved. I th- I kind of think it might be Lingard. I think Lingard's going, huh, I mean... Why, because he plays a game? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you start low, you know, like, improving from an 80 to a 90 is only 10 levels of whatever you're judging. Improving yeah, from a, a 20... Improving from a 20 to a 60 is 40 levels. Um, you're still not good, but, but I think Lingard provides something this year. Much, I think he's much better than last year. I think he provides something because at this year there will never, or I mean, knocking on all the wood possible, but there should never be a time where Wingard is on the pitch and we're actually relying on Wingard. Um, whereas last year, uh, you know, for the whole first half of the season, it was you're the number 10, you're the creative point here. And that relies on him to do a lot. Uh, if you play him with Rashford and Martial or Greenwood, and Bruno and Pogba, like, then it's just, he's just an extra, per- I mean, like, remember back to, like, when Ollie came, he had the big game against Cardiff, and then he disappeared, like, he disappeared the rest of the year, but he did all the dirty work that that gave space for Marcia and Rashford that allowed them to thrive, so I think as long as you're not relying on him, he will surprise people. No, I, I would actually agree with that, because I think he's a, he's still a very strong utility player, and even if he's not starting, he's the guy that you want to sub onto the game to close it out because he's going to put pressure on a team that has to then go score a goal. And he's going to make, you know, back lines uncomfortable. What happened there with Lester? Like they brought him on against yeah. Lester and it worked very well. Yeah. I mean, uh, if he can do that over the course of a season, I'd, I'd love it. But we just hadn't seen that from him in a couple of years now. But, so. but also yeah. Martial 25 minimum. <laughs> like yeah. ecstatic. Uh, I'm going to come with one that might be a bit, I don't know, under the radar. But, or, De Gea. Exactly. Yeah, because there's a lot of 
I, I, I mean, that. This, this just seems like the beginning of the end for him, and I'm not so sure that that's the case. I think that he will is somebody who will take this chance to, you know, perform with this fire that's been lit under him with the return of Dean Henderson. You don't think Dean Henderson played the Undertaker music as he signed his contract, do you? <laughs> I definitely I, don't. I can't believe it's even a question as to who starts in goal against Crystal Palace. And what is I your answer to that question? Who's De Gea? To play De Gea. Yeah. You have to give him yeah. the chance to lose the spot. And and there is a difference between playing in goal for Sheffield United and playing in goal for Manchester United. And you a cannot. percent. You cannot, as everybody already talks about, how we're giving youngsters too much too soon. You cannot let Dean Henderson off of a a no. good year at Sheffield United walk in and become the number one keeper when you have David De Gea there. And if you do that, and David De Gea, like, how is David De Gea going to take that mentally? Is he going to be able to respond to that? And let's say Dean Henderson is not ready to be the Manchester United number one. Now you have two goalies who aren't there mentally. So yeah. you, you, there's no question. And we've seen this, I mean, it's it's obviously a talking point for fans and people who want to drive up engagement that you actually make it a question. But if you, you look at the way that Solskjaer handled the team last year with the rise of Greenwood and Gomez and Chong, like he gave his senior players every chance possible to lose their spots before going to them. So he's he's going to play De Gea. Not to mention I'd his yearly salary is mo- more than most uh, world <laughs> leaders. So. Shocked De Gea was not in, in goal. It, it's unfathomable to me to go no. in, in any other direction. No, I think I my, my reasoning behind De Gea's competitiveness is because, from my perspective at least, I kind of saw this play out already with, you know, when De Gea first arrived, there was a lot, you know, against him in the media in the first season of his career. There were a lot of mistakes that he made. And I think it's worth mentioning that Anders Lindergaard was not brought in just to be a backup to David De Gea. You know, Ferguson was conscious of, you know, creating a competitive environment there, and it ended up working really well in De Gea's favor. It ended up pushing him further, and, you know, they won the Premier League the next season with him playing number one for pretty much every game. So, hopefully. Well, De Gea's going to have another year with the Maguire-Lindelof partnership in front of him, too. So, I that, think that's another thing. And it's, there's going to be some comfort. Yeah, people, people yeah. never talk about that, though. People always just talk about just De Gea by himself. But, I mean, the back four has been so inconsistent. So, well, I mean, and the, They've been wildly the, better over the second half of the season. Yeah. And the defense yeah. was really yeah, good last true. second half of the season. They, yeah. they conceded one goal from a set piece, which was their Achilles heel in the first half of the season. Yeah, I mean, yeah. United had high-profile mistakes on defense, but as Paulie's always brought up the numbers, I mean, our defense was vastly improved last year. So it yeah. just having continuity is going to be really important. We had basically the same center back partnership for every Premier League game last year. Juan Bissaka was an iron man. You iron out who's going to be the left back starter. I mean, it's just going to There's bring comfortability. Yeah. going to be the starter. <laughs> I mean, we know it's not going to be uh, Sergio Regulon, so. And uh, it's not Alex Tellez. <laughs> not Alex Tellez, and it's not Brandon Williams, and it's not Timothy Fosumensa, and it's definitely not Diogo Dalot. <laughs> That's a chunky. That's an I think you should leave reference that only Nathan gets. And he didn't laugh out loud. He decided to smirk on his screen instead silently. Figure out what you do. (laughs) All right. Um, That is going to do it for part one 
Uh, we're going to take a break and then come back and talk a little bit about some of the fan questions and transfers because that's what the fan questions were about. So thank you for that and stay tuned. And we are back for part two. <laughs> so, all right, sorry. <laughs> and Just we're back for part two, Matt. <laughs> Earlier today, I put out a tweet uh, asking you, the Busby Babe faithful, if you had any questions or topics that you wanted to hear discussed on the podcast, on the podcast. Wow. Uh, And uh, unfortunately, all of your questions appear to be about transfers. Uh, The first one is from (laughs) Philip Graham. Is this team without any new signings other than Van de Beek? And, well, Dean Henderson, for that matter, capable of competing, staying in the Champions League, nonetheless, trying for the trophy. And then he says, Bale to Spurs, City's loaded, Tiago to to Liverpool, and Chelsea spending coin makes it seem difficult. Yeah, Um, this team is better now than it was a year ago. It's better now than it was five months ago. Like, this is the most I I don't get. First of all, Liverpool adding Tiago. Well, if the first place team adds a adds a player to their arsenal, whatever. Sorry about that pun. That doesn't. I don't oh, see how that's. I don't see how that's going to knock the third place team out of the top four. Um, mm-hmm. Spurs, Holberg, like he is a cleaner Scott McTominay who just, but like he's just mediocre in that midfield, and he's it just. It's another Harry Winks for them like it just right. gives them more mediocre options in midfield uh Doherty they they good like a good right back they had and he's good going forward they had Serge Aurier like who's also good going forward so now they just have two options uh Regulon I don't know how he fits with Jose Mourinho especially when Mourinho plays the system that allows his uh right right back to fly forward and Gareth Bale's 31. He's old and whatever. We've gone over Arsenal's. <laughs> we've gone over Arsenal's signings. Um, but guess what? Like everybody says, oh, United, they have no depth. And for however true that is, what depth do Spurs have? What happens when Harry Kane gets hurt? Um, and Harry Kane has this has a very similar injury history to Luke Shaw. And Harry Kane is just way more uh, important to Spurs than Luke Shaw is. Um, Chelsea are the team that everybody wants to harp on because they've signed five players, possibly a sixth coming. Then they're also linked with Declan Rice. Um, Chelsea's transfer history in the last five years is laughable. It's basically Ed Woodward in the Louis van Gaal era. It's yeah, they've hit on some, they've wildly missed on others. And then there's just some in the middle, but you add that many players. It's not always a good thing. All right. Yeah. Five. I agree. In the last five years, in the last five years, only five teams that finished in the top four have added five new players to their team. Only two of them have improved on their league position, and that was Pep's Manchester City both times. The other three fell in the table. And um, if you go to six, if you go to six signings, it gets even worse. Um, basically, six signings, you really drop. So too much is not necessarily good and you also have to look at how do they how do they fit in you know at the end of last season who was Chelsea's best player Christian Pulisic uh who was their starting striker at the end of last season Olivier Giroud why because their games matched completely with each other uh they were able to bounce off of each other and Giroud played better with Pulisic in there 
So now you're bringing in Timo Werner. Timo Werner kind of likes to play out uh, slightly to the left. He, he's kind of like Anthony Martial, but like what Anthony Martial, I guess, would love is to play as like a striker a little bit off to the left and able to come in. Well, that's going to interfere with Pulisic's um, with, with Pulisic there. Then you have Kai Havertz who could do the same off the right or play as a second striker or as a false nine. And Ziyech plays wide on the right. Um, so if we judge by the game again on Monday that Lampard played, he's kind of trying to reinvent the 4-4-2. And I don't know if that is how you get the best out of all of these players. But also the bottom line is Frank Lampard might be the best defense against Chelsea because you look at like where he played Ruben Loftus-Cheek as essentially his second striker and Kai Havertz as like a midfielder and it's like why are you doing that like why not play Kai Havertz as your second striker why not play Tammy Abraham there well like, speaking of cheek I mean their defense is still butt yeah I mean, and their defense not forget that. That. <laughs> like that's what fans have to remember is signings does not necessarily mean improvements like United are United did not sign a right winger last year and got better on the right wing because Mason Greenwood came in and scored 10 goals and Dan James provided six assists from the right wing. Mason Greenwood this year, if he scores 15 goals, that's an improvement. Like, so you're imp- like the Jaden Sancho signing will act is actually not even a signing for this year. It's a signing for next year because we have, like we said at the top of the show, the league is dominated by Liverpool and Manchester City. They probably have like one more year at the top because I, I do think this is Pep's last year at City. Liverpool have another year before they have to blow it up and, and rebuild because they're getting up there in age and they're going to come back down to earth. So you want to be ready to attack them next year. And you bring in Sancho now, so you settle and you grow as a team. And that's – so the Sancho thing is is – prepping for a title race next year, not this year. And that's what it comes down to. We have a better team this year than we did last year. Signings does not necessarily mean improvements. Obviously, we need some better players than what we have. But bringing in the wrong players is worse than not bringing in any players. Yeah. And with that, Polly is signing off. (laughs) What I got from that, though, Polly, Manchester United 2022 Premier League champions, and Frank Lampard is not the person to reinvent the 4-4-2. Yeah. Right. Besides, guys. All those signings, more pressure on Frank Lampard now because they they yeah. gave him all the players. Yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah. If he does badly, he's gone, dude. <laughs> like, no question. Yeah. And besides, let's let's be honest, too. Like, we don't. If we're being Bye. if we're being really honest, do we really want United to win their first title in seven years this year? Like we want to we want to push that off one more year so that way we can all be there for it. Because I don't know if you guys know, still a <laughs> pandemic outside. Like it ain't safe, fam. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. partying in the streets of Manchester. Although the thought of football Twitter reacting to us standing up on the podium with a zebra kit on is pretty nice. Oh, talk about vibes, dude. Yeah, man. Dude, did you see? Uh... <laughs> You see, they're actually gathering, protesting like next week. Oh, the green uh, and gold. Yeah. Yeah, the Glazers out. Yeah, they do yeah. this every year. Yeah. The um, but yeah, uh, I guess Polly answered that question pretty thoroughly. <laughs> well, I mean, if you were if you were to ask me uh, about transfers and whatnot, I'll just ask producer Colin to go reclip from the last podcast we were on, where I was talking about like, right. dude, it ain't no thing with the Sancho transfer, and just insert right here i'm gonna start panicking in about a week if we don't oh. hear anything else i'm cooling dude i'm cooling yeah it ain't no thing 
Um, so Callum Robinson uh, did not have I know, a question I'm upset. for us, but uh, he is worried about a lack of alternatives for Jaden Sancho and yeah. whether we have any ideas of players that we have been scouted or, you know, other players that might be a last minute swoop in and get this guy uh, <laughs> in the news today is my uh, Sar who scored against Liverpool in their first defeat of the season for Watford uh, supposedly available on a pretty cheap deal, about 30 million pounds. Uh, oh, you mean Watford. newly minted championship player, so Ismail Isar? Yes. <laughs> New, newly relegated player, Ismail Isar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his pace not, rating. Not, not, he's no Jaden Sancho, but, um, you know. I mean, if we want if we want great value brand uh, Jaden Sancho, then sure. Dude, I'm such a... Isn't that I'm just Jesse a, Lincoln? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I mean, what I would say to uh, we should just scout out this brand new uh, bad boy version of Mason Greenwood, because um, I mean it worked last year, didn't it? Like he's only gotten better. Yeah. Um, uh, so following up that tweet, uh, I sent out a poll uh, for Manchester United Twitter asking, "What is a more important objective in the transfer market this season?" Uh, acquiring Jaden Sancho or adding oh, yep. debt. I and answered that. <laughs> overwhelmingly, uh, 65.5% of the vote went to Jaden Sancho. Um, I'm inclined to agree with this because, yeah. I, you know, like Polly said, adding another two or three players instead of Jaden Sancho doesn't necessarily improve us that much, whereas bringing in Jaden Sancho completes a pretty fearsome front three. Um you know, not to knock against Mason Greenwood. He obviously had a great breakout season. But, you know, looking at his goals, they came against sort of opponents lacking in quality. A lot of them came in the EFL Cup and the Europa League. He's a player still growing, and I don't think there's any question that between him and Jane Sancho, you know, who you want starting on the right-hand side of your front three for that. I mean, if I were to do my best impression of an IPA-sipping libertarian, let me be devil's advocate real quick. Um, what we saw last year, when this team did run out of gas, and it did, a couple we knew times. our starting 11 was written in permanent marker last year. We had one, maybe two guys that we were comfortable coming off of the bench. We have signed Donnie Vandebeek who I think is actually probably going to be a starter before the end of the, the year is over, not because of like injuries, but I think he will just prove his quality. I mm. really like, I would like to see Ali just get it, get into a tactical mindset and be like, you know what? We're just going to dominate a game. We don't need a true number six. We can just play possession and have two midfielders, with high motors get back when they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, by the way, I'm fully on the Donnie Vandebeek. Hype, hype train like I've been I've been watching some videos yeah. reading a bunch of articles like that's my guy um re, on the bus be babe we did predictions and I, I said he's gonna be your new favorite player so that's my second son Donnie Vandebeek um so we had him but at the end of the day like how many guys do you still feel comfortable coming off the bench like Juan Mata is still a year older um McTominay is he is who he is, I think, at this point. I don't know. Yeah, he's a spark plug midfield player. You know, yeah. he's, he's fine. Um, it, Lingard, we, a, a, as much as Polly and I just suggested that, yeah, he's going to be a nice player to, to bring in. Um, like, we could have a better version of Lingard come off the bench instead. So, 
if we're not going to drop all that money right there on the Sancho transfer, which, because let's remember, I'm playing devil's advocate. I want the Sancho transfer. Um, if we aren't going to do that, we are going to spend the money around and maybe spend like 67. I, mm-hmm. I think we can still bring in guys who are not going to be expected to be starters, but they are going to be improvements over squad players right now, which I think is just as important because at the end of the day, we're playing in four competitions and the quality of competition we're going to play in the champions league is a lot better than what the Europa league is too. So you need to have quality guys coming off of the bench to secure results, to steal results. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's why I think we need Sancho to finish our 11. And then because after at that point, like if we have everybody healthy, the only starting position we really want to like change out is what Lindelof or that left center back spot. You know, like that's that's that, and that's like I feel like what Ole would want. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. We can always take depth in other areas. I think we just need to get Pereira out, you know. Marcus Rojo out, get those guys out, free up some, yeah, free up been some a not only cash, but like play time and everything. So Ole doesn't feel like he has to even like, like it's just a vibe, like yeah. just like you're saying, like it's vibes, man. It's still lingering Report. vibes from previous managers, you know? Well, and yeah. we have telegraphed it at this point. There are five players that we are expecting to jettison off of this team at some point. Like they, they're going to have to be replaced. So. Yeah. Phil Jones to enter Miami. Let's do it. He just oh he gets, dude, his wages are so high. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. He gets paid like. Come on, David like Beckham. 80K, do us a like favor. 80K a week. Like, dude, van, shit, dude. We've called up Ed and he was like, oh, yeah. You want Donnie Van de Beek? 40 million. Okay, here you go. Like, <laughs> and then he did an interview with him just being like, just cool as shit and talking about it. But it's, God, dude, why, why can't anybody else be cool with us, dude? Everybody's you think be we could call up Edwin Vandersar and ask about um, David Narish as well? You know, I would not be opposed to that. Maybe, maybe a yeah. little Tagliafico action? Definitely would not be opposed to that either. Um, yeah. I mean, Come on, my... Edwin, you just won the Eredivisie. Help us win the <laughs> Premier League. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Edwin, uh, known listener and friend of the podcast. Yeah, we did a whole podcast yeah. about him. Do us another solid. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that about wraps it up for us. Um, we will be back hopefully early next week, wrap wrapping up a victory. Um, should we do a, a brief preview since we do play on Saturday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want to just do a quick like score prediction, or and uh, like what do you think happens? Yeah. Patrick Van Anholt uh, squeezes one past De Gea in the 93rd minute. Um, oh, I know that was last year. To make it 4-1. <laughs> I'm not over that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then uh, what was it? Jordan Ayu just like bodies Lindelof. Like, oh God, what a bad game. We should do. We should. Uh, we should do like a, a rewind of that one too. Um, no, I think um, Crystal Palace and their knockoff Chelsea third kits are I think they're going to get the Chelsea treatment from last year. I we've had a month to rest. Um you know, hopefully. Or no FC. Yeah, I 
they're a pesky team, but I don't see why United shouldn't win by multiple goals. I won't say that we won't concede. I think I think you know Zaha could still get his, um, but I'll say I'll say three one. I, I I think we do the business, and I I think Van de Beek definitely scores in his debut because the vibes would be so good. Man, I hope so. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I just uh, it just sucks that like I I think we have the money to to pay for Sancho. And I'm just Matt. gonna go ahead and say this because I've been thinking about it. I know. Matt, I'm, sorry. No. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know. 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 But we're cooling, fam. We don't. I, I, it's fine. I'm hoping that no. I I know. I know. Guys, give me ten seconds. I know. All right. So I'm just really hoping that. The our board and Ed not taking forever to get players in affect our first couple games. That's what I I really want. But I'm thinking we can win three or four nil, dude. Yeah, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna. Like it's so like, the vibes, dude. Nathan's got me saying it. Vibes, <laughs> lads. It's Crystal Palace. Come on, just do the fucking business, man. Like yeah. it's not that hard. That should be the team talk. You're better than Crystal Palace. Go beat them. Yeah, exactly. I think I on just, my uh, NBC predictor app, I put a two-do draw at first, and then I edited it to make it a 2-1 United win. So I'm going to stick by that. I do think there's some rust that we're going to have to shake off, and you know maybe that helps move along transfer business a little bit. That you know transfer business that we hope is being enacted. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us here on the Busby Bay podcast. So uh, thanks for tuning in. I've been Colin. I've been Nathan. I've been Matt. Auf Wiedersehen.